Welcome to the Soul Stories podcast series with Michelle Ann, where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories. Grab a cuppa and join me in a heart-filling journey of self-discovery, where my guests will share how they overcame adversity, embraced their spirituality, and allowed their true light to shine. Looking for inspiration, guidance, and tips to find your true passion and purpose? You are definitely in the right spot. Hello again and welcome to the Soul Stories podcast and I am your host Michelle Ann and today I've got a doozy for you. I have been excited for a couple of days to talk to this amazing woman. Her name is Jessie Moss and oh I forgot to say we're at to, up to episode seven. See I wing these things I don't edit them so we're up to episode seven. So thank you for joining us and yes I'm excited to introduce you to this amazing woman and as I said her name is Jessie Moss and I met Jessie on a, uh, a spiritual retreat with the amazing Emily Shine. So if you haven't listened to Emily's podcast, go back and listen to that because it is an ama- probably one of the best ones I've done. Uh, Jessie's listened to that. So she also knows uh, what she's in for when we interview her. Uh, but I will let Jessie talk to you about what she does. But uh, looking from my side, I look at Jessie. She's a, a yoga instructor. That's how I met her. She was a yoga instructor at the retreat uh, that I was attending with Emily and just a beautiful soul. Like you can feel her energy as soon as you meet her. She's calming. She's grounding. She's peaceful. I know you probably don't feel like that all of the time, Jessie, but that's the feeling I get when I'm around you and your yoga classes are like out of this world. Like Oh, I don't think I've ever been so relaxed. They're so just beautiful. So I'll hand it over to you and you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, about sort of what you do now. And as we do in all the other podcasts, uh, episodes, is then we'll start to dig a bit deeper and go back into how you got where you are now. And I know, and I'm excited to speak to you because I know you've had a fairly cool, well, you probably don't look at it as cool, but a fairly, fairly interesting story, like a really interesting life story. And you've been through a lot. And so I'm really interested to hear your side of how you got through all that. And I know you've had a few, like, I suppose you would say spiritual awakenings and some experiences in South America. So I'm really interested to dig into that. But first, we'll talk to you about where you are now and what you're doing with yourself. And then we'll get the shovel out and start digging. (laughs) So take it away, (laughs) Jesse. Oh, thank you so much for that. That was really beautiful, Michelle. That's really nice to be here with you. And yeah, so I live in Noosa and I'm a healer and I run my own business. I have two boys, 15 and nine. Um, Yeah, I'm still teaching yoga, some Pilates. Uh, Yeah, I feel like that's, you know, I'm on this self development, self growth journey, and it's just, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's my, I've predominantly been a massage therapist. So I'm in this huge transition at the moment, which is more coming into, yeah, being um, an energy worker, which I was first. So it's, yeah, flipping back around. Yeah. What sort of healing? Like, yeah. so you said healing, you're talking like energy work. Yeah. Like, yeah. What sessions uh, like look like, like, yeah well I started yeah when I was 20 I started um Reiki and then I could never remember the symbols and then I kind of figured okay I'm just an intuitive healer so (laughs) yeah so it took me 
all this time to um, come into that trust for myself. But I think through the body work is where I learned um, the trust and that my gifts were opening through that. So, yeah, really blessed for all of it. But it's transitioning again. So with, with, with the call of evolution, I suppose, like it's, yeah, onto some more change. So it was the math. When you say body work, you're meaning massage? Yeah, yeah. So I've done two diplomas in remedial massage. So one was really heavily sport-based and the other one um, more so like alternative therapies. Have you done any kahuna or anything based around that before with the massage? No, not kahuna. Oh, it is coming. beautiful though. Oh, my God, I love <laughs> kahuna massage. I'll have to get one of my kahuna massage ladies to come on an interview because actually, thank you for that reminder. It's one of the ones <laughs> I had in my head to speak to. So, yeah, kahuna massage is amazing because it's that mix of spirituality and physicality put together and, wow, like blew my mind the first time I had one. So you've received kahuna before? I have, yeah. Yeah, and I've worked with Nikki next to Nikki when she's been doing them. Nikki's the nice. Girl. <laughs> oh, I've got so many cool people in my life and that's why I decided to do this podcast because I just want everyone to, one, to meet all my friends basically. <laughs> I'm like, I got cool people and they're my friends. And um, But so much uh, depth in all of the people that I associate with and I know we are mirrors of each other so I get that. Like as much as I think you are amazing and powerful, I've got to remember that's me as well. But I love to share that with everybody because I'm so blessed to have such an amazing life. So getting to chat to people like you and Emily and Nikki and all these so such cool people with such cool stories, it's just, it blows my mind. I'm actually addicted to my podcast, to my own podcast <laughs> because I just love talking to people and I didn't do it for two weeks and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't interviewed someone. I need to get onto this. So, yeah, thank you for joining. Um, now, I, do, I, I don't know everything about your story. I know little pieces of it from the retreat. Obviously, at retreats we share quite deeply and vulnerably about our story. Um, the thing I do remember from you was you went through a fair bit of trauma in relation to a toxic relationship and domestic violence. Uh, I don't know. How, oh, I just got goosebumps. I don't know um, how long ago that was. I can't remember. But do you want to share a little bit about that part of your journey? Um, and if you want to, how you sort of got yourself out of that? Because there's so many women out there that are in these toxic relationships, whether they're physically violent, emotionally violent, or just pure narcissistic toxicity. And they don't mm -hmm. have the self-worth to get out. So, yeah, just, yeah, share whatever is on your heart when it comes to that. And I'd love to hear your story around that part of your life, firstly. Sure, let's dive into that. Um, yes, I guess uh, it, it always stems from, I guess, your upbringing, like that whole self-worth and not having it. So whatever the journey was until I kind of chose that for myself or stepped into that, um, was, I, yeah, I think like it, it is a lot based around self-worth and not knowing uh, like good, good boundaries. Um, yeah, almost just I think I walked into it really blindly and um, also because I'm a massive empath. It's so I've, a thing for me that I've needed to set really firm boundaries around is like not to just be in these things to fix other people. So Someone told me once you came here with a toolkit, not a first aid kit. So oh, put, the first, put the first aid kit down and start using your tools. So that was like the best advice. But it, every advice, all the advice that I got in that, um, it was a relationship of just over nine years. 
mm-hmm. and uh, the, there was a marriage involved in that too and one child and I'd had a child previous, previously as well. So I went into this relationship, I guess, with um, a one-year-old. Uh, who, so I was only 20 when I went into this. <laughs> so I'd had my first child at 19 and then, yeah, moved into that and it wasn't until I was 25 when I had uh, my second and uh, we were married after that. So, um, yeah, I guess in it it takes a while to break someone down or like to, you know, get them to the point of isolation and all those kind of things. So we actually moved around a lot with with work and, um, yeah, it wasn't until probably I was a good four or five years in when I started noticing that things weren't right And I started seeking counselling for myself, thinking that I've got all this stuff wrong with me and I was blaming myself, which is is a huge part of being in that toxic um, relationship as well. So I was seeking all this self-work, but what I was getting was information and I guess like where that stuff come from in me. So eventually after another, you know, four years in that um, and other, you know, big, blow up events that were happening it was actually a really small event that um towards the end of it where I felt this is um you know I felt almost like there was no no part of me left like there was no essence of me left like I knew there was light in there but I was completely broken lost um traumatized just yeah very emotionally scarred and I didn't really, I knew getting out was going to be hard. And I think that's why I held in for all those years. And um, by that stage, we'd actually moved like quite a fair bit away from everybody that I knew. So I was a good 16 hour drive away from anyone. And um, I met all these really beautiful people where I was at unexpectedly. And I started getting myself out there and um not knowing what I was doing at the time, but knowing now that going to the gym and I was getting physically strong almost first before the rest came. So, yeah, I guess in getting, um, I ended up becoming a personal trainer through all of this. And, um, yeah, so I just took to these people and then this community were there and I was like, oh, these women are strong. And I like, yeah, they really gave me that um, support that I needed and, um yeah, it was just a very minute thing that happened one day and I think that everything had accumulated and I just I felt like I can stay in this and literally be so empty and show my boys that this is okay to treat a woman like this is okay or I can just get out and deal with whatever it is, you know, even though it's I knew it was going to be difficult and I knew it was going to be a long stint because of the toxicity that it had reached and there was... Um, drugs involved in his part as well so it it was very volatile and um yeah like looking back now it doesn't feel like that was me no <laughs> like, it wouldn't a whole nother yeah, life really yeah like it's it's it is me it's part of me and I still I do work on those parts of me because it was only I was 29 when I had left so I'm 35 now so it's taken a bit of a stint but it was the aftermath that I think we um, in the world, like there needs to be more education about, okay, when you get out, this is, we need to be giving people more tools because I felt really lost when I, when I got out because I was like, all right, I'm out now, but then it kind of peaked for me. 
and for the next 18 months it got worse and because I'd moved into a different place like I would have my house um you know broke just he would just get into my house and um, I had all these extra things happening when I was trying to now all of a sudden I'm a single mom and hold down a job and then deal with that and um and find your identity yeah 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 identity amongst all that yeah I I didn't I didn't at all and I just um I knew I was at the depths of something that was um I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD and anxiety and I had insomnia for a fair while and um yeah it was it was such a journey like that's like looking back I just think oh what what, was like what was that and who was that and like I'm so grateful for the the gifts in it but at the time definitely it was like yeah the biggest biggest struggle of my life and I had a relationship after that which I didn't quite heal so I bring all my stuff into that which you know, like it, it it just stems on because you don't know what to do in that aftermath. So there's, there's a lot of work in, in recovery, Mm. Um, but it is so possible to do. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just the work and to practice it every day. But I think people either don't get out because it's, they don't know what, what is expected then. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of my work is going to be in that kind of area because the more I heal and stuff, it's like the after, like what happens when you do get out? Because everyone says, get out, get out. And then once you do, it's like you just, whoa, what, what's, what's now? Like who am I? What, do I? what am I doing? How do I heal all of this? You know, nine years of that was, was a lot to, to heal and I'm still healing. Nine years, like that's a, that's a real chunk. So the PTSD yeah. is actually from the relationship? From the domestic violence, yeah. <gasps> Wow. What sort of, was it, was it physical, emotional, a bit of both? How how Um, did it play out? I I would say mostly emotional. It was, and I was doing research on it too. And um, just the fear of it, um, the fear of speaking up, the fear of like just, and then just becoming so closed and suppressed. It's, it just becomes a way of life. And um, I remember these big, massive arguments that, you know, there was times where I would, do it back just because I was learning those traits of negativity and like that toxicity was like becoming me because I was getting so like bitter in it and then I realized well like this is there's light in here like I don't have to do this so I would just let it happen and and then at the end of the argument I started saying was that it because I knew there was no point in arguing back there was no point in saying what I needed to say so I would say is that it and that would be like you know there's nothing you can't you can't like argue with this because I know there's no point so yeah it got to that point and but I started learning and switching on about it and I guess yeah knowing what what I needed to do to survive in that was there control like with um yeah money was there money I just um there was money um, I had no money. Um, I was always working. He was always working. So um, when I left, I actually just left with some furniture that I needed and he had everything else. He kept boats and whatever, even though it was a marriage. And um, I know there were stories around what I had done wrong, which wasn't true. And then so like all the mutual friends kind of sided that way mostly. And so I was kind of left really isolated again, like even in the um, the whole divorce process. So, 
um, yeah, throughout the whole thing, it was just like my friends were pushed away or like there was always something in my family and yeah, just even though I had some issues with my family, they were very highlighted and pointed out and pushed away. And yeah, there was, there was a lot of control, not so much with money, but more so for me with um, people and like seeking, seeking that. And when I started going to the gym, then that became an issue too. And then there was something wrong with me because of that. Yeah. Cause he's losing. Yeah. When you go to the gym, you've, you've taken back control of your yeah. physical. Also, wow. Hang on. I can't control when she's out with her new friends and she's starting to look really good oh shit hang on yeah not good that's how I'm I'm losing some power that's right I'm (laughs) sure they don't consciously think like that I mean and these people are just broken people themselves as we know Um, yeah they've got their own journey and their own thing like going on in their life and they've obviously liked that for a reason something's probably happened to them normally but that doesn't mean it's okay for us to to put up with it and take all that that abuse really yeah Um, yeah and when you got out, what was who was the main support? Was there anyone that came out of the woodwork that surprised you, or like did you like who did you turn to when you first got out? Uh, yeah, I had um, at that time my best friend. She came up from New South Wales because I was in Queensland um, then, and um, yeah, she came up and basically kind of just addressed the issue uh, and made it real. And so I think that that was probably the the pivotal moment for me that noticing that other people were seeing it, even though we had mutual friends, it was very hidden. Uh, even though my family didn't so much like him or, you know, anything like that, it was um, still, I had, I had hidden, I had hidden it and I had protected him. Yeah. It had just become this, weird thing that I did and I I couldn't get out of it so that that was that moment that made it real for me and it was literally a few weeks later where um, all these things started dropping and I remember ringing my mom and I just said I need you to come up like I, I need to get out of this this is um this is what's actually going on and and mum's I remember my mum said I think it was to my dad at the time um Jessie never asked for help. I have to go. <laughs> so she was like there, like a couple of days later. I met her, I met your mum at that retreat and she's so yeah. lovely. Yeah. And she stayed for a little while until I had my unit and I literally needed someone to be there because it, yeah, it was just it was a really scary time, really unknown. Yeah. Wow. And um, yeah. I won't dwell on this too much longer, obviously, because we want to get onto the good, good, juicy, positive <laughs> stuff, but um, I'm just interested with PTSD. I've obviously never experienced it, but what sort of symptoms did you get from um, like came, that came out from that? What had it? Um, from what I remember, mostly it was like living in fight or flight, like always looking over my shoulder, um, being you know from being followed in a car or like um, I'd be having lunch somewhere and he would just show up out of nowhere. So it was constantly this like something's there, something's coming in and. Um, my adrenals were <clears throat> giving you know like running out basically like I had no energy I had like yeah I couldn't sleep I was having night terrors most nights and I was trying to see doctors but they were trying to prescribe me medications yep. that I didn't want to take <laughs> and so I started yeah finding mindfulness and med- that's how I got into my meditation eventually yeah that's was where I was leading with that so obviously yeah. you're doing amazing oh just as I as I explained at the start how you make me feel and to think (laughs) that where you've come from 
when you've been like to the point where you've had adrenal fatigue and and can't sleep and full-on emotional anxiety to making like you're so grounded in yourself like I feel that you know who you are you are just present calm like how the hell does one go from that to that like how did you get there like um I think I got there through many many mistakes (laughs) (laughs) I love the truth (laughs) yeah I think um I drank too much alcohol to suppress what I was really feeling um to you know thinking I was having fun but really was covering a lot of things up and then entering another relationship without healing myself which brought about you know pain for another person in that and um it's I think that eventually after all those mistakes I started realizing I'm just so the victim and I'm not getting out of this and my power is still going to him even though like you know I went through court for five years after all of this as well and it still to me is not resolved. It's never going to be resolved. I can't co-parent with someone that's that toxic. And until that changes, like I have to learn to just be in what I can be in and let that be what that is and um, lead by example. So I think mostly for, for the most part, it was like, how do I want to show up for my boys? And that was the strength behind me kind of crawling back up out of this big black duck hole Mm, that's what it is it feels like a hole and then you're just inching your way up but that I mean what you said about the drinking and all that other stuff that makes complete sense because it's all you know at the time and I often talk to people about emotions and how when you're at the bottom of the barrel you've got to just reach for the 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 emotion that's closest to you like vibrationally so sometimes like it's just a little bit of like gratitude or hope even yeah. Like you just reach for the hope first and you don't get to these enlightened states until you've reached up and you've gone from hope to, to gratitude, yeah. to, you know, and then, then it goes up from there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it makes like that alcohol and all the bad choices, that's all part of the journey. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You were never going to go from leaving that sort of relation. Well, I wouldn't imagine to this suddenly, you know, enlightened being. So it's a fair journey, which I think, which is all due respect to where you are now. Like, it shows the the um, power of you that where you've come from, and that's what people don't realize. They just see the the beautiful yoga instructor that makes them feel good. They have no idea about the backstory about how that person got there, and I think yeah. that's pretty cool. Oh, just blows my mind. <laughs> so, um, so you started with your meditations. Uh, mindfulness I'm guessing and then yeah I actually met a um I went through many different counselors um because of the uh I realized not that I like I wasn't an alcoholic but I was drinking um I thought you know from being a fitness instructor to having these binges like when you know suppressing binges it was like okay well I'm covering it with something so um, I I started looking for work around that so I went to just counsellors and ended up uh, just kind of trying different people as I moved from where I was there to the coast here now to Sunshine Coast and here I met this really awesome um, psychologist who basically said like if you kind of have this a piece of paper he had held up and was talking to me. He said, this is in front of you and what what are you getting out of this, you know, conversation? You can't connect with me. 
So this, what, this stuff I was carrying around was basically in front of my face all the time. So it didn't matter what I did in life. I needed to just pull that, pull that kind of wall down and, and start to connect again. And um, firstly it was, you know, self-care was the biggest thing. And so he just started doing little meditations with me just in the, in that room. And I was like, Oh, this is not going to help. Like I'm way too anxious for this. And like, when you have anxiety, the last thing you want to do is breathe. And, you know, I'm already in this attack. Like I can't breathe myself out of it. So um, he, he worked with me on it becoming a daily practice for me. So that was about like four and a half years ago now. So just the mindful presence, breathing every single day. So it was, did it become part of your routine? Yeah. Well, that was bef- just before I found yoga. So um, after that through court, I got forced to go to like this parenting program and I was super angry about it because I was like, I did nothing wrong. And I actually went to this six week course and there was a self-care popped up again. And, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to dedicate myself to a bit of yoga because I've always tried it and not really gelled with it because of being a PT and, you know, it hurts to stretch like that when you're doing weights all the time. So yeah, I just committed to going to yoga and I found a really beautiful teacher who's now one of my best friends and um, she made me just fall in love with it. And, and I think cause I was slowing down and starting to kind of reprogram those pathways in my brain again, like, I am safe just to even know that I'm, I'm safe and I can stop looking over my shoulder like that mm-hmm. took a while. And then it was just one little bit at a time. And, and even still now I go to EMDR therapy, which is like a rapid eye movement. Um, so I go back into different parts of myself and I'm still healing them, which kind of stores, stores it away, but it kind of re-triggers you at the same time. So yeah, there's still even today, like lots of, lots of work that I, I do around that. So that keeps me, yeah, centred and really calm. Wow. That's amazing. But sometimes, sometimes no. <laughs> oh, we're all human. We lose it. Don't worry. And, yeah. And so the healing side of you, so the Reiki and the energy healing, did that all come out after the domestic? Like were you spiritual law before you met? Well, you're only 20, I know. But did you have back in your childhood or anything like that, any sort of spiritual nature about you? Or yeah. Yeah, I knew from such a young age that, you know, there was there was this there was this light and expansion and um I was I've been I was seeking it all the time. Um even really young like I went to try Sunday school and I had a mum who was Catholic and my dad was like an atheist, so I had like this conflict in the house and you know, I thought I'll oh, just, you know, my mum was always open and like you find your thing, you know, so um, yeah, I did. I, I was always finding my thing. So <clears throat> by the time I was 17, my um, where my spirituality really kicked in was when my great grandma was very close with her and she passed away and I was there. And I remember feeling like she's not gone, that she's transitioned. And there was just this like sense of that's, that's, that's that feeling I've always felt. And that's that knowing that's really true. So it was from then really. And then that's why I think I found Reiki. Mm. and so then the I guess Reiki, yeah sorry. that was that was suppressed too through that marriage and that yeah. those nine years it was hidden yeah so you found the Reiki and that sort of feeling before you got into that relationship yeah and then this yeah. was like a little blip in the road basically well a yeah big blip, but that's okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> a necessary blip <laughs> mountain um uh, so you got down the other side of the mountain and then so then you reconnected with your spirituality and your and your Reiki and your healing I yeah. see 
Yeah. 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 So this is I... why I think I've had that issue with like trusting myself because I've known it and I feel it and it, and it just comes when I let it, but there's that um, barrier in having the, the trust or like leaning into my own support with it because for so, so long in my life, I've been either judged for it or like scared to be out of the box almost. And like, yeah. Yeah. I say stepping out of the spiritual closet. That's my tagline for my business. <laughs> because I think one of my purposes in life, one, because I have many, is to help people step out of the spiritual closet because people are so scared. Most people walk around with some, well, they all have a knowing because they were all souls, but some are a bit more closer to the surface and they just are that, what you said, scared or embarrassed that people are going to think they're cray cray. Um, mm-hmm. Been through that. But I think, yeah, um, people like you, me, and a lot of the people I'm interviewing, their purpose is to show people it's okay to put that out there to the world and then yeah. it, it inspires others to find themselves. And then that's a beautiful thing to watch that unfold. Yeah, yeah fear is our biggest block. Yep, big time. <laughs> We're holding everyone back. <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah, you, you did all your healing and now I don't know how you'll have to fill me in the gap how this happened, but I do know and I'm interested to talk to you about this, how you went to South America. So how how did that all happen? So give us this. Okay, so timeline. I, I would have went. Um, so, yeah, I remember going to my yoga teacher training. So that was I was about 31, I think, at that time. And I went to Bali and just took like, I took self-care to the next level. I left for three weeks and which I'd not really left my kids or anything. And, you know, even though they were older, I, um, I just went, I need this. And I really felt it. So I went overseas away from everything and I went to do my yoga teacher training, but I knew it was um, mostly for, it was like a self-care. It was act, a big act of that. Cause I knew like, I'm kind of on the scale. I do nothing or everything. So it's like one way or the other for me. So I was like, no, I'm going to go do that. So it kind of started there and it was uncovering that part of me again. And as that kind of rose more and more, um, I remember back to watching this documentary um, on ayahuasca and I, I just knew like, I have to go do that. But it was, five, you know, five years before then even. So it was a long time. It was just in the back of my mind and yeah it just would pop in every now and then and um it's kind of how plant medicine works like it's just like this little calling and then all of a sudden it just presents itself even the cacao that I do is the same thing I just had yeah like really strong relationship if you want to call it with this bloody cacao obsessed with it (laughs) and now it's it's, it is a plant medicine and do you want to explain what ayahuasca is to people that have never heard of it or or maybe you've heard of it but don't know really what it is. Yeah, so um, ayahuasca is a vine um, and I'm pretty sure they translate it, um, ayahuasca, into like vine of um, the death or dying. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so I guess there's always like that death and rebirth within um, your ceremony. But, um, yeah, it's, it's um, I, went, I went over there to work like I say, I, all or nothing. So I went over there to do it as traditionally as I could. And um, I landed in a place where there was um, Chipibo, um maestros and they, yeah, they worked with, I did an intensive stint with it over there. And um, 
it, it's yeah it's just a plant that they boil up and they mix with I think it's called chacruta it's a it's a it's a bush and it because uh, one without the other doesn't um, allow the DMT in it to work mm. Yeah, so it's quite a powerful, 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 powerful plant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you did that with the shamans over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it with, um, there was a group of us and it was based around compassion and wisdom and meditating, but it had that aspect of yoga as well as um, the plant medicine work. So for me, it just seemed like, all right, we, you go do this really intense work, but there's also all these like integrative systems, like the yoga and the meditation, even though I fell asleep in mostly all the meditations, um, it was still very beautiful. And I guess I was integrating in my own way. I was so exhausted. Oh, I can imagine. You did, when you went over there, was it the, of the purpose? I know you wanted to do a fair bit of self-discovery work, but was it also you knew when you were going that you were going to try the ayahuasca? Yes, I went, I, went, I went for, for the plant medicine, yeah. yeah. But I had a friend also working at this temple um, and it was just the most random thing as these things are. I didn't really have enough money for it. And she was like, I'm going over for three months to work at this place because she'd been before. And, um, yeah, she said it would be awesome. Like I was said, oh, my God, I want to come, I want to come. And I was in contact with her a little bit while she was over there and she'd messaged me and said, the medicine over here is just magic. Like I've never experienced it like this before. It's, it's, it's strong. It's good. And, um, I was like, oh, damn, like I really want to go. And I think like my manifesting was probably kicking in and um, I got this payment and it was the right amount for the retreat, for the flights, for the time off work. And I just rang my mom and said, you need to come and have the boys. I have to go. So, um, yeah, I within I think like five or six weeks I was on a plane going to Peru. Oh, my God. What a story. <laughs> that is so cool. And yeah. tell us about the ceremony, like what happens and how do you feel and what um, does it involve? There's so much involved. Is I it- think I think that it starts working before you even arrive. Um, but I think in that setting it was so honoured and uh, the, the Shipibo people just like even the way they walk, they're so grounded and purposeful and they've just got so much uh, like knowledge not that I can understand but what they're saying but um they work yeah they like work with your body and the first thing you do when you get there is basically drink a tea and make sure that everyone has a pre-vomitivo they called it and which means that you just everyone has a big vomit together you have you know I think five or six good good goes and then your systems kind of they make sure it's all clear and you're not you know you've got to go on this dieta so you all medic you know some medications or meats and alcohol and things like that so this was kind of the start of my stint of um fully quitting alcohol so it's been 12 months now since i've completely stopped drinking alcohol yeah wow congratulations that's thank you Oh, wow. yeah. Cool. yeah. So it's a process like you'll cleanse your body and then, um, yeah, you go into learning about it there, which is awesome and having knowledge of what it is. And then you get asked these questions like, why are you here? Who do you want to be when you leave? And I was like, I don't know why I'm really here. Like, I'm, I'm not sure of it yet. I just know I have to be here. And that was okay too. So, um, I guess in, in the ceremonies, it was, it, it comes and, 
I've kind of witnessed many dimensions, was very out there. I witnessed kind of all my shadows. Um, I witnessed pain in my body. I witnessed complete bliss and joy. And it just, it lifted things from me that I can, you know, never be like as grateful as I want to be for it. Like it's just, yeah, it really changed, changed my life and my way of thinking. And um, it was just, yeah, the most healing most intense, hardest healing experience. It, it sounds very intense. I've seen a few docos myself on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like you. I've had, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, that's hit something with me. But I'm terrified. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do it in this lifetime. But one, one day, I don't know. I've just seen, I think, obviously, it's like you go deep and you face, as you said, the shadow side of you, the dark side of you, the bits that you don't want to face, the trauma, the pain. And that's a bit that scares me. But then everyone says there's an amazing blissful side to it as well. Like I remember at the retreat you were telling me we had this moment where you were realised that we're all one or something. I can't remember the exact words you used, but do you remember that bit I was that I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah do you want to just explain that again so I can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so I, I had, um, I think because for me, well, every ceremony that I've done is this death and rebirth that kind of occurs and, the death part seems like the hardest part because for me it's like that part of the ego is stripping back and you're really seeing it for for, it's just so truthful and if you're willing to go there if you're willing to be firm in that sitting in it and just allowing it to be to be part of you and or releasing it and having that work done and they they're singing to you and it's just beautiful it's um yeah, I guess like with all this meditation, we did this um, Buddhist meditation one day, which was a um, bodhicitta, and it's just about sending love to, you know, firstly, you know, your children or like your family and then your friends and then people that it's easy to send love to and then you start sending love to people that have harmed you or done you wrong. And so I basically in my last ceremony um, in that setting, I um, – I basically sat all night and practiced that meditation. So these ceremonies can go for six hours more. Like it just depends. Um, And yeah, so I sat there practicing this and um, it was, I had had really rough ones before that. So this one was quite nice for me, but I could just feel like I could see outside and the plants were moving with me and I was not like in, the form of my body it was just everything was energy and just there was no ending and stopping and it was just yeah vast expansive space and I was like this is what it feels like this is what we are like it was that connection to that and I think that's when people experience that that's the call that's the call to it just to even like revisit what you truly are that's powerful man that's yeah, I remember you telling me, thinking, oh, my God, I need to ask this girl more questions. How will this work? That's exactly what I, we are all made of energy. We just physically can't see it because we don't tap into it. But when you're using mm-hmm. like a plant medicine and it's putting you in that state of mind and, as you said, into different altered dimensions, you can actually witness and feel that being of one. It's so cool. I had a crazy mm-hmm. experience on the train once going into work. You know, the nine to five was on the train. And I looked up and it was like, whoa like everybody was gray and it was such a weird experience it was this bizarre feeling of oh my god you're like all lost sort of souls like not that I was highly awakened at the time I was going into my nine to five job but obviously I'd done a little bit of self-work and I just remember seeing everyone thinking 
it, our reality is not our reality. That's what I felt in that train. I was like, whoa, this is a spin out, you know, <laughs> like I was going to work just watching it. And the reality just wasn't, it wasn't what we looked at as a human being. It was just this feeling of everyone's energy and, oh, my God, these guys are all just like zombies. That's what I felt like. They were grey zombies. It's like I was like, oh, my God, let's get out of this. We've got to awaken. Like I felt like yelling out to the train, wake up, wake, wake up. <laughs> didn't, mind you. But um, yeah, it's that's like what our that. purpose is. We're trying to wake people yeah. up. Yeah, and it's like trying to, you know, remember we are in the physical and when we're experiencing things from the other dimensions, like learning how to like manifest it or actually pull it back down into yeah. the physical and that all of that is a reflection when we're here, like what am I seeing in that? And, yeah, like that would have sparked that for you, like that awakening too. Yeah, and putting it in a way that mainstream people that maybe aren't as awake can get it. Like that's the other hard thing because we're human. We're physical humans. We're living this body. So mm-hmm. making this stuff that's such high vibration and energy and all that stuff and different dimensions and trying to get it into a way that it can um, help people, that's that's where the, the real work is, I feel. That's what I found with my healings. That's what happened. I started off just doing sound vibration. I didn't know what I was doing. But you're like mm-hmm. yours, how you said, you just trusted. You said you were yep. doing Reiki. I was the exact same. I was doing this the Reiki, which I still believe in, but it just wasn't me. I couldn't remember the places where I had to stand. It felt really good. <laughs> I was like, just the same. here for five minutes and here and I'm like getting sore back. I'm like, I just need to like swing my hips around a bit. And it's like, ah, oh, this isn't, this is not for me. I'm just going to use my intuition. Yeah. And then, oh yeah. One thing leads to another. Now I'm full blown channeling messages to people. In other yeah. Voices. And then it comes and you just think, yeah, well, that's interesting. That is a new thing that I've just acquired and I've trusted and that's that's really beautiful <laughs> and it's because you open yourself up and I think that's like the plant medicine that's like ayahuasca does that on a big scale cacao does it on a like obviously a smaller level um and there's all, all sorts of other plant medicine in between so yeah it's, it's it's really cool was there like any for you any really scary bits yeah there was um <laughs> there sure was there. the probably the scariest one I had was um just being shot like through you know different dimensions and it sounds quite odd to talk about this with with people but um it's just what happened you know like it um even I went to a dimension where there was just sound but where there was sound like I couldn't hear anything and I'm like am I sound and it just it's it unraveled my my whole way of being or thinking or like any like thoughts I had on what was there was there was so much more than what I could have ever you know imagined and I think the next day I didn't say I couldn't speak I couldn't and one of the facilitators had reached out to me and said oh you know you you had a it was pretty strong last night for you and I said yeah like I couldn't sit up and receive the songs like I could just put just barely put my head towards the the healers and um there was a lot of like shame and guilt in that for me for not sitting up but it was just reflecting all the shame and guilt that I'd felt through my life and like the choices that I'd made. So it's, it's very, a very reflective medicine. And um, so the integration from that one, um, yeah, was, was a little while, but I had another ceremony the the next night. So there was no, like, you know, I didn't want to drink again. And I was saying, I'm struggling to want to, to do that again. And um, the next one I had was all about um, 
forgiving myself. So it obviously was something that was stirred up. Mm. And the next one I had was all about kind of forgiving myself. And I remember the next one, there was just a lot of crying and like self-acceptance and like, you've done the best you could. And like, (laughs) you know, all that kind of stuff was coming. And, but the one before was just scary because for like we were saying before, like from my human self to witness all of that and not be able to put it into words or like what I saw or witnessed and how I felt at that time is, um, something I'm not sure I can ever explain you probably you probably won't I I can't yeah Yeah. it's a bit like the the near-death experience I'm reading a book on that at the moment and it sounds very similar like it's she's talks about this world that's you can't even you can't even put into words it's so not this world like what you say it's like being in a, a black basement like our life at the moment is we're in a massive black basement with a little torchlight and yeah. all we can see is what we put our little torch on. And there's this massive realm outside of that that you have no idea. And as she said, in her near-death experience, when someone switched the light, it was like someone switched the lights on in the basement. And there was just yeah. of stuff she'd never even, colours she hadn't even knew existed and sounds that her human brain had never heard or like sounds with no sounds and like this vibration. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, spin it. And a lot of people explain near-death very similar. So, yeah, yeah it, it makes sense when they're all saying the same thing and then you're saying similar thing, thing and you've been into that sort of dimension as well. So I'm excited yeah. to die. <laughs> no, I'm not, I love my life. I don't really want to die anytime soon. However, yeah, which yeah. Is, I've got some questions for you at the end, which it's probably a good time to go into them. I don't think I've had to ask you anything else. I'll sit here all morning and ask you questions. <laughs> I don't want to go. I think everyone that's listening will probably be saying the same thing. Don't stop. Don't stop. Oh. Yeah. I've got anything else? I'm sure I could go more into that. Oh, the one question I did have was just the ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many, like how long time period did this go for? Like, is it like three weeks, two nights? Like you said, you um, talked about all different ceremonies. So there Yeah, so uh, each, yeah, each ceremony can be, I guess, anywhere from six hours to eight hours. I guess that's, that's what yeah. it felt like. Sometimes it, it felt like, you know, a lifetime, but um, other times it felt really quick. But I think generally that is probably the, in this reality, the time frame of it. But um, I was in this part of the jungle uh, in Iquitos for uh, 10 days. Yeah. And then um, I knew I needed integration time. Uh, so I went hiking uh, through Machu Picchu and um, Pizak and really beautiful places. So the hiking for me was um, like after all of this work, I feel like there's there's a lot of people that get into this work, but the integration part is not um, what I'm learning now is uh, it, it is the most important part, like learning how to embody what you've got and got from that and how to bring it forward and yeah, like how to make the changes from it rather than just like I knew I would never be the same after experiencing that, but I wasn't sure what it was. And um, when I was having those moments hiking and, you know, at the top of a mountain, I would just sit and just think like what was that, you know, like and it just it then it brought up all this stuff I could go into. Like we are so limited by our imagination because even in our wildest dreams, that's still like a limited form of an imagination to what we know or what we've experienced in this lifetime so far. So it just brought about everything. So the integration part um, for me was a good, I think it was two and a half weeks after that. So I was in Peru for kind of like a month. Wow. And I think yeah. that shows the importance, which is another thing I was going to mention 
of if you're going to do something like this, like plant medicine, especially a strong one like that, is to find the right uh, facilitator, the right place, and make sure it's done properly with tradition and yeah the integration like i think what happens is some people go off and do one ceremony and then get kicked back out into the human world and wonder why they're you know losing the pot a bit like it's full on yeah stuff. yeah a lot of these um places that do it overseas will have um even integration teams so even months after you can still connect and have these sessions where you can integrate things um but i think too like my yoga it it really grounds and moves things through me too. So I know all the, all the tools that I need now, but yeah, at first I was just like fish mm. out of water, like what was all of that? And um, it, yeah, it really taught me that integration's like the biggest part of plant medicine as, you know, just as important as the ceremony. <laughs> so who am even I? That's what I'd come to the end of that. You're like, who am I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I thought I, I thought I was getting a good gist of it, but. Um... <laughs> oh yeah, we never know. We just, yeah. No, we never know. Yeah. Um, so before I go into my three questions, so your business is now always like to give people a chance to just put it out there for anyone that does want to contact you or work with you or be near you. I would highly recommend being near Jesse Moss. <laughs> just hang Thank around you. there. Um, is there any way that people can contact you? Do you have a website, Facebook or I should have asked? Uh, yeah, I think I have a – my website should be launching next week. So oh, it's cool. just um, – yeah, jessiemoss.com. Well, that's easy. Yeah, otherwise you can email me at awakening at jessiemoss.com. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because it's always nice for people to follow listeners. Like I find some people go, oh, my God, I really resonated with Jessie or Emily or I want and they get in contact and do their thing. That's another good thing about this podcast. It's about sharing the, this, the community with everybody else because there's yeah. so much to go around. I've never been one to be like, oh, these are my people and they're your people. Like <laughs> it's not like that. We're all like doing this work, this light work, and everyone needs everybody in their own respect. So I love that we can share it. And you're, where do you physically live at the moment? I'm in Noosa. Noosa, yeah, Sunshine Coast. Yeah. With a place, my other yoga instructor's up there, Michelle Freeman. I interviewed her. Yeah. Lovely as well. She's in there. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Cool. All right. So now we'll dig into the questions. And yours has been so deep anyway, you'll find these easy. <laughs> so the first question is uh in jesse's eyes your belief system what is the soul uh the soul is uh, what we what we are what we truly are so um it's like the purest form of us so like past our mind and our body um it is just light source that's how i see it the connection to um like the highest vibrations yeah, I agree. Completely. Yeah. And the next question is what happens after you die? When we die, I think we, um, I think that dying, I look at it as just another transition. So from the physical, we, we're moving back to the, that light and um, whatever kind of happens there, I'm not so sure of. I feel like sometimes we may need time or other times it's like we just we, we're coming back and um we we kind of like have lessons or like you know sometimes there's like karmic ones other other times there's just like just other connection ones but there's all these different sort of lessons that we can learn from and it's just about evolving like sometimes I question why like why when we're there do we want to come here but like it's when we're here we want to learn about that so <laughs> it, it kind of makes sense <laughs> 
this is not one of my questions, but do you believe in soulmates or soul connections? Yeah, I believe we definitely have a soul tribe. Like I, I can meet people and instantly have like, at, you know, we're on a retreat and there's a good um, five of us that have done a few now. And it, it just, we don't even catch up that often, but like, there's just this knowing and we've, we've been, we'll be, remember when we were dancing in the rain and we're just like, we've all done this before. Like that was that, you know, that one of those moments that's that soul tribe. Oh, love it. And finding your soul tribe is just so rewarding. That's the most rewarding thing out of all of this is, um, I mean, finding who you, who you are and getting to know yourself is one thing, but to find that tribe of people, you're like, oh, my God, you are my people. That's what I'm like. That's what this podcast is about. These are my people. Like, come on. And I want everyone to meet everybody. So it's really, really cool. I'm going to put that on my list of questions, actually. Thank you. And my last one is um, what do you know for I know for sure that I am practicing being as authentic as I can be in this lifetime. Um, I know that I'm aligned to my path. I know that my path is in the unknown as much as that can make me feel uncomfortable. That I know that for sure. Um, I know that when I come from a heart-centered place, everything works out for me. I know that the universe has my back, even though I forget it. Yeah. That is something I do know for sure. And I think, no, I do. I know that truth, truth in my alignment is like the most important thing to me. Yeah. But everything else will work itself out when that's all. Yeah. Known. So when, when you're in alignment, everything else works. It yeah. Does. It always does. Yeah, And, you know, do you have a feeling when you're in alignment? Can you tell? Yeah, I, I can mostly tell when I'm coming out of it. It's uh, like I, when I get pulled out, there's this, usually a physical sensation or there's something that, yeah, look at that and what are you doing there? And then you know, kind of slip back in. So it's like, and, you know, we, we can never really stay in it we, we, to the best of our ability. I think we can, but there's always going to be it's a human experience. So there's always learnings. Yeah, coming in and out, that's all part of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, that was awesome. Like, yeah. that's why I was excited. I just knew that you had, like, huge stuff to say. <laughs> so I think um, after I've done a few, I'm going to put in requests for people like, to be re-interviewed. You might be on the list, I would say. <laughs> I'll <laughs> I do would it. definitely come yeah, back. We'll do, um, we could give it a couple of years even and see where you're at. That would be cool. Like, do yeah. reunion interviews. Ah, that would be go. awesome. That would be awesome. All right. I'm going to put that on the list of things to do, reunion interviews with my little podcasters. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me and um, giving me your time this morning. Truly, truly grateful to, one, have met you and being able to reconnect because I know we haven't, as you said, like we don't actually catch up. We don't even chat really, do we? But it Not feels often. like. No, but it just feels so normal. Like we yeah. just had that bond from the start and you don't need to catch up. You don't need to chat. It's again that soul knowing. So, yeah, really appreciating the saying yes, and also just for being completely out there, vulnerable and real, because that's where the lessons for people are. When you try to hide stuff, people don't get as much out of it. You've just laid it all on the line. So, I really appreciate that, and you'll help heaps of people. I know, I know for a fact. So, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. If you have enjoyed this podcast. 
then I would like to personally invite you to my next workshop, The Six Steps to Soul Success. In this four-hour workshop, I dig deep into self-love, finding your true passion and your purpose, and teach you how every single one of you is destined for great things. You just need to trust the universe. These workshops are run online and face-to-face, so head on over to my website, www.thosetwosisters.com and register for your free ticket now.